Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Schenkelberg. And good morning. This is Greg Hutchins. Hey, Greg. Hey, we were chatting and I said, hey, we got to record. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was, we were talking about, you know, there's in the news and there's all kinds of money going into it. And there's announcements of big factories and plants and facilities getting set up. And, and this concept of people bringing, uh, rebuilding American manufacturing, the reshoring, bringing yep. stuff back. Now for decades, and I remember I, when I was at Hewlett Packard, and this is almost 20 plus years ago, um, I talked to a, a, a plant op, uh, operations manager in Singapore that was one of three remaining uh, factories that HP still ran. Now, originally, HP was nearly vertically integrated. At one point, rumor had it was is that Bill and Dave um, made their own screws because they couldn't source good enough uh, screws to put their electronics boxes together. And they bought a screw-making machine and made their own. And now, you know... 50 years later, after the company started, they had three remaining factories and they were getting ready to shut those down. And this ops manager said, once we lose the knowledge of how things made, we're taking out a whole lot of risk and have to trust that those that are making it for us actually understand the big picture that if they do a good job, they keep the business, <laughs> the people buy our products. And he's he was really worried about it because he wouldn't be able to uh, hire talent to oversee the selection and operations of third-party manufacturers that understood exactly what they were doing because the good people would go work for those manufacturers. And he said, we're going to lose that ability to un really understand how products are made. And I, I, and over time, he was exactly right. We there's story after story after story of going to a third party and it just falling apart. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, this, this notion of more and more companies coming back to the States and all other stuff. And, and the, the parallel to that, and it's been in the uh, asset management world and maintenance management world for a couple of decades now is that that talent, the people that, can maintain your equipment and facilities, they're aging out. There's not a, a pipeline of new people coming into the trades. But then in the middle of that, there's not a lot of people that know how to design and build a manufacturing line. We just had a diminishing market for that. So people are, don't have gone into other fields. And so it's, it's everything from the maintenance crew to the, welders and builders of the equipment and building and setting them up and operating them. And it affects the, the entire chain all the way up to the senior management. They just, there's not that many people with the experience. And here we are trying to bring it all back to the country, but we didn't spend the last 10 years creating the right atmosphere or what's the right term here, Greg is right situation <laughs> to get people actually to want to do that stuff. Wow. So a quick story about that. In 87, 
I was a project manager engineer on a tank farm and we were using exotic materials like stainless, you know, mm-hmm. and stainless welding is stick and it's very sophisticated and it's very specialized. <clears throat> and just to give you an idea, everything on the plant, all the piping uh, was stainless, all the valving stainless, stainless costs 10 times to 15 times, not 15% more, 15 times more mm-hmm. than a regular valve. So anyway, we needed people who could do stick welding. So here I am, I've got a, I'm basically the project manager, project engineer. Below me, I've got superintendents for every trade, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, below that in the welding area, there was a shift supervisor uh, because we were running two shifts a day building this plant. It was a, uh, a tank farm and right next to an LNG facility, as a matter of fact. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had, we had to find people anyway, we had, we couldn't find anybody, uh, literally zero. And this was in 87. Tell yeah. you how many years ago. Well, if, you know, I'm thinking if you were in, um, in the Northeast in, I think there's a big Naval shipyard at one time that was up there. I'm thinking mm-hmm. Bremerton. Is that right? Yep, exactly. Right. But I don't know that there's a whole lot of shipbuilding going on. And, you know, while some of those systems include stick welding and, and stainless, it's not, even then, it's not the the total business of it. So there might have been one or two people that knew how to do that. And that's if you had that kind of industry anywhere near you. Well, and here's here's the rest of the story, as they say. We had to go up to Alaska, Alaska Pipeline which was big inch pipeline from, you know, Prudhoe Bay all the way south. Mm-hmm. We had to hire those folks at 2x what I was making. Yeah. So here's a here's a person <laughs> doing stick welding. He had a supervisor, he had a superintendent, and then there was me. <laughs> yeah. The guy was making twice as actually it was a team of people. Yeah. They were making twice as much as me. And I was three, four levels above them. Yeah, but you were happy to have them on board. Oh, <laughs> Otherwise, was, you couldn't build the plant. I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic. I was jumping on the table dancing, yeah. you know, because we needed them. Yeah. And we couldn't find them. But I think that gets amplified, though, um, that, <laughs> I mean, one is the market for the job market is slowing slightly. But it's, I think this morning I heard something on the news that it was still close to 10 million openings, unfilled openings that across the country in the U.S., mm-hmm, in which mm-hmm. is record high. It's, there's more openings than there are people available. And the unemployment rate's really low. And folks are cycling through factories and plants that have been, you're just a cog in the machine. Like I'm thinking of the Amazon <laughs> warehouses where it's, you know, pick this up, put it on the box, tape it shut, um, you know, over and over again. I think they have something like a, a it was like a 300% turnover per year is one of the statistics in one of their plants. It's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's not that rewarding of a job, but a lot of the trades, um, I mean, there's one young guy in our neighborhood. He's a, he, find, he told me a couple weeks ago, or a couple about a year ago that he got his, uh, I think it was C license for, and so he set up his own business as a, a contractor, electrician contractor, and he does mostly home uh, electrical work. 
type stuff, various uh-huh. projects from wiring a house to doing additions to, you know, setting up outdoor lights, stuff like that. And we were sitting down and, and chatting and I says, you know, you're one of the exceptions. There's not many people and he's, I don't know, he might be in his early thirties that are pursuing it in, in the trades. And he goes, yeah, it's great. I got more work than I know what to do with. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, you know, and I saw the, another guy, the other <laughs> a plumber, and he was booked out two, three months in advance. You know, he, he says, I don't clean, clear drains anymore. I don't have to, because I've got all these other projects that just keep lining it up. The issue is, is that we need all kinds of different talent in order to stand up a factory or to keep a factory going. And so this idea of re- of reshoring is, oh, we'll just put the equipment in and it's all automated, it'll be fine. Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> uh, I'll give you three, you know, just three, three quick examples. Um, got a call from a, a nuclear folks up in Seattle. Um, you know, uh, we're building a lot of nuclear power plants, sodium, all types, fast reactor, maybe even fusion one of these days. All those plants are uh, basically stainless steel. Can't find people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just went to the doctor the other day, yesterday. The nurse there is saying, who I've known for a long time, hey, uh, Amazon, believe it or not, is getting into healthcare. Yeah, I heard that. And they're paying people, nurses, 120 a year just to answer phones. Yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, she was saying, my son is working for Amazon, basically lifting packages at 18 bucks an hour. <laughs> yeah. you know, does he want to go into nursing? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's different people for different jobs, but the, the idea of, Hey, I don't have to, you know, empty bedpans and put in catheters and turn bodies over and, and all the other stuff. Physically, nursing is a demanding job. And if yep. I can do telemedicine and help people and be efficient at it, cool. <laughs> you know? Killer. Exactly. exactly. Well, that might not be the right expression there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, you know, that's what happens when you have a 22-year-old daughter, right? Yeah, okay. You know, things like dope and uh, killer mean different things than <laughs> folks my age. Yeah, right. But yeah you're right. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, it's there's there's plenty of, of work out there. With, when, when a company's thinking through, well, we need to bring the factory back to the States. And part of it is tax incentives. Part of it is funding, you know, offsets from the government for this, that, and the other thing and incentives. Um, There's increased amount of risk with just when in and around the time of COVID starting, China, you know, basically shut down and now all these containers weren't getting filled. And then all of a sudden they started filling them again. And then our plant, our, our uh, docks and, and harbors and stuff were just, you know, a hundred container ships stacked up and waiting in queues. <laughs> um, and then we didn't have enough truck drivers, <laughs> you know, enough yep, warehouse yep. space. Um, it works great when it's just in time and everything works well, but is it, it didn't take much of a glitch for that international supply chain. What was, what was the name of that boat in the Suez canal that, went sideways that can't evergreen evergreen you know it just takes a small 
well, there was nothing small about that chip. Um, <laughs> thousand to, foot long. <laughs> yeah, to cause, you know, hundreds of millions, if not a billion dollars in disruption to supply chains and to deliveries and everything else and factories shutting down because they don't have the parts they need to continue assembly because it's sitting on a container ship in the Suez Canal park there or it's on a boat outside the uh, Long Beach, California. That the A lot of that stuff prompted people to say, well, we need to bring it back to the States. And part of the political discussion was, what do you mean we don't know how to make you know surgical masks or ventilators and all that other stuff? Well, we outsourced all <laughs> that stuff to lower cost you know manufacturing facilities around the world. Well, they just shut down, <laughs> and they don't want to send us anything. Now, what do you do? Yeah, um, so it's interesting. I've been listening to you really carefully, Fred. So <laughs> <That's> scary. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I've got to go back on my one-trick pony, and my one trick is the lens for everything is risk. So just in time now, it's just in case. Well, it's but that was a the the reason we went into just in time is that the the risk was minimized that we thought we had it done, and people would you know it, the truck would arrive just as we needed the parts, and and after a few years that it just. That just worked. <laughs> and so part of that risk lens is that we we got so used to that system and the risk of not getting as much profit from every transaction in every activity and minimizing costs and all the other things that that it just slowly eroded our ability to withstand perturbations. That's the right word, right? Well, ver yeah, variability again, which is your area. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, I mean, it, if I'm worried about saving a nickel, you know, per item on storage costs, for example, I am so focused on just saving that nickel. So I make my quarterly numbers um, versus, well, what happens if that truck gets a flat tire? You know, it, or the docks are backed up, you know, or, or the source where we're getting this stuff goes out of business or has an earthquake. We got so focused on ignoring the, the hard part is that it took something like COVID, which was a major transition for all kinds of things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for people to go, oh, hmm, yeah, just in case might make more sense. Which means looking at the bigger picture. Yeah which means basically looking at it from the enterprise, the business model, the availability of products. And that's really hard for a lot of us, especially me, a geek engineer, who wants to look at the threaded fastener and not the, yeah. you know, where's the stuff coming from? <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's tough. And, it's, and the hard part is, is that when, you know, now we're saying, oh, we're going to reshore. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, it It's... And I, I'm quite aware that most management teams and most financiers and banks and everybody else understands it's not as simple as just going, oh, let's, you know, there's a building down the street, let's set that up and we're all set and ready to go. There's a lot goes to that. And I think the talent part is really caught a lot of people off guard is that, well, <laughs> geez, we just don't have people in the trades. I mean, housing construction is being limited because they can't find enough carpenters. You know, it used to be just supplies early in the COVID era, essentially. But now it's, well, I can't find enough people that know how to swing a hammer. 
it, you know, and it's not to belittle that skill. It, it does take skill to, to build a house and all of the trades that go into it. Um, uh, and the cost. Yeah. I mean, um, I need to have my house painted. Went to the guy next door who's painting the house next door. I said, Hey, can you give me a bid? He says, no, I can't. And I said, what? <laughs> yeah. right. I booked out three months and then I'm going on vacation for three months. A year and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I said, well, can you give me a ballpark as to what it costs? He said, yeah, yeah, about 10000 And I said, well, I had a bid for $6,6500 2 years ago. And he said, hey, buddy, uh, get real. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is the marketplace. That's right. I can yeah. charge more because I can. <laughs> <laughs> and paint and everything else supply costs more, demand. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. and everything costs more, too. Well, um, that doesn't sound good. I, we need a new roof here. So I better uh, start well, the process. It'll cost you about 50% more. Oh, I'm sure it will. So let me leave with one final thought. Uh, plants are going to be built like crazy. Um, automotive, battery, nuclear power. We don't have the people. And if we need to train the people, it's going to take them four years to go through the crafts and become a journey person or journeyman. And in the meantime, what are we going to do? Uh, and the costs of these plants are going to double. It used to be where you could do a takeoff on time materials product, you know, and basically be within maybe 10, 20 percent mm -hmm. of the final cost. Forget it. Those days are gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Times are changing. Well, yeah, there's, there's that for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, we didn't get into a whole lot of how to deal with this stuff other than just raise the awareness that, you know, one, if you're interested in, in setting up a factory or working in a factory or, or are becoming part of a, a greenfield operation or bringing stuff back to the business, the factories back to the U.S., um, there's plenty of opportunity. Uh, but if you don't have the background and skills, there's a whole lot you need to know. And and it's expensive to do it on the job building a new factory. <laughs> and so it's, there's, and there's just not, and it, it runs all the way from ops managers to, to the welders. There's, there's risks in just, we don't have the people. Uh, and like you said, I think it's just going to mean it's going to cost more. Um, not a lot of solutions there, except a lot of opportunity. That's for sure. If you're good. I'm looking at the opportunity side. Maybe the next podcast we can talk about solutions. <laughs> yeah, all right, we'll put it on the list see what happens. Now, if you're listening to this and, and if you're seeing this or see it from a different point of view, let us know. Head over to AscendoReliability.com slash go slash SOR, and you can find a couple of ways to get in touch with us. Uh, Greg and I and the other hosts of the show are available on LinkedIn or through our About pages on Ascendo. There are plenty of ways for you to get in touch with us. Um, yeah, there's I, – I don't – I think it would be a very short – uh, podcasts on solutions because I just can't think of any. So I got to count on our audience to give us some ideas here. Um, <laughs> see, what, see what we get. So, it's a tough problem and it's a real one. It really is a real one. All right, cool. <laughs> Talk to you soon there, uh, Greg. And thanks for the, for the topic here. And I'm glad I hit record right away. <laughs> <laughs> Fun conversation. Big right. one. We'll talk about it again. Thanks, right. Fred. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. 
we invite you to join the conversation. If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes, or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.